1: Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined once again by my Thunder Buddy, Joe Masado. How are you doing on, I guess we're recording on a Thursday, but this is going to be released on Friday.
0: Yes, because of a very special occasion tomorrow, the uh, the birthday of our host, the one and only Michael Martin. Happy happy early birthday, Michael.
1: Thank you, the big two six. I'm sure people by my voice and by my picture on Twitter would go, you're legal drinking age, but... Um, you're wise beyond your years i i appreciate it but i wanted to get ahead of things and uh make sure we recorded a day early to knock everything out joe was gracious enough for this time to make this happen but we have a lot of stuff to talk about we wanted to get into player grades for this season um first things first i wanted to get it out of the way because i think sometimes this can be confusing that we're grading on a scale joe yes
0: this is a scale i i I think we should know um, how we're going to do this. And it's it's basically correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw I saw how you wanted to um, how to grade. And I agree with it. It's based more so on preseason expectations or the role of said player that we're going to be talking about more so than, you know, how they performed. Like we can't say, you know, Shea was an A and, you know. Isaiah Joe who we're also discussing today isn't as good as Shea so he can't also be an A no it's like relative to um to what expectations were
1: absolutely yeah not all A's are created equally you could say Joel Embiid who's probably going to be the MVP A and then you give also um Austin Reeves from the Lakers an A it's like those A's are not weighted equally but they are starring in what they need to do and their role and things like that but we'll get into it so um Let's start with Shea. He's going to be the headliner for this. What were some of your expectations for him going into this season?
0: Well, I I, uh, I read off that bold prediction that I had that um, I'm just going to say I, I believed it, even though I didn't, that he would be a top five scorer in the NBA. I think I was a little more bullish on Shea than maybe not than people locally, but more so than people nationally. I remember... Um, USA Today did this preseason poll, kind of like ESPN rank, but we just they uh, reached out to all of the the Gannett papers, and we basically ranked the top might have been the top fifty uh, players. I forgot where I had Shea, um, but it was quite a bit higher than consensus. But still, I did not I did not see this coming. I, d- I did not see I did not see the efficiency from two years ago matched with the volume and and being able to sustain it at that level. I certainly did not see the defensive jump coming. I didn't see him, um, being top five in steals, um, leading all guards and blocks, um, just having his hands everywhere, disrupting everything. Um, he, he was, he was awesome on that end of the floor And, and that's really like what makes a true superstar. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say the efficiency on offense matched with the improvement on defense um, were, were the most surprising things for me.
1: Yeah, and I think if you just said in preseason, I predict that Shea's going to make third team All-NBA, that would have been bold. It that would have been bold. It looks like he's going to make first team, so it's just incredible. But I don't know, uh, some of the expectations I had in for the preseason, I was hoping I... um. I don't know, uh, projected that he'd get a 50-point game this season. He did not do that. He scored 40 a bunch of times. 42 was his special for quite a while, his career high, until he busted out of that. But Shea has been really good this season. I'm glad you talked about the defense because I think that goes underplayed because he is so significant to the Thunder offense. And all the highlights are him you know, scoring and getting to the free throw line and slashing and hitting step-back threes. But it's been just as much about the defense because when he was out for those five games with COVID and his ankle injury, it felt like he was missing him was just as valuable on the defensive end as the offensive end.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and the guys said that as well. I remember like Josh Giddy was, was saying that and, and Lou Dort um, kind of in jest was like, I, I didn't know Shea had this in him basically uh, on the defensive end. But Lou said he knew it was coming um, when they were actually, Lou, Lou was hurt so he didn't play for Team Canada last summer, but he was still in training camp with them. And Lucid, he could see like, oh, wow, he's like taking a different approach to the defensive end um, that carried over throughout the summer and into the season. Um, and uh, w- which was, you know, why the Thunder continues to be better than they would project to be based on their personnel defensively. Like he's a, he's a big reason why.
1: Yeah, his physicality really stood out this season on both ends because he's been really filling out over the last couple of years. I remember it kind of looked like he got bullied in the bubble against guys like Harden, Westbrook, Eric Gordon and those big guards. But now he's more of the guy uh, creating a lot of that contact. And I think it's been really fun to watch. Would you rather get into the grade for his season or highlights and lowlights first of the season?
0: Well, we can we can quickly do highlights and lowlights. Um should we start with lowlights? I I'm struggling to come up with any. Um, other than like I mean, getting COVID is a low light, but he can't uh he, he certainly can't control that. Um I'll say one low light. That, this kind of goes into like things I would also like to see him improve upon. is just like the going away from the three point shot altogether. Um, but really, you know, it's so it's so hard to nitpick his season because it was you you don't make first team all NBA, which he's going to make um if your year's not filled with highlights. So I don't know. Did you have any low lights?
1: It would just be the three, um, three ball and then a couple of those games where uh he was off in the first half, but like Barry said, he just bounces back in the second half. I there's not a bunch of things you can really complain about with Shea this season outside of just like like we're going to get into later, as you mentioned about, I'd like to see a few more threes, but we're, what were some of the highlights out of a, a really stunning season for him?
0: Yeah. And I, I guess, I mean, I, I just thought of another low light that's fresh in our mind, but obviously his uh, he did not play well yeah. in Minnesota in, in that playing game, but that, Hey, that's a, that's a one game sample. We're not grading off one game. We're grading based on a season. I would say another low light. What were those uh, goofy red, boots that were like humongous that made him look like a cartoon character um but you know people say he's the most fashionable man in the world and by people i mean gq and the people of gq and the people that vote on such things um so anyway what do i know not much um would you ask me highlights, highlights? In the season. um I, I feel like i'm repeating myself but the game winners always stand out. The one in particular in Washington, that's a game I'll always remember this season. The Wizards crowd um, is not good. And by not good, I mean terrible. It's a terrible crowd. So, but it was still surprising because after that game and after that game winner, as he's running off the floor, he's getting MVP chance. And it's like, there's not that many Thunder fans there or whatever, but just to like hear that, hear MVP chance on the road, that was like a moment that stuck with me.
1: Yeah, I'd go with that one. And then the game winner in, uh, against Portland, where he got mm-hmm. a lot of MVP chance at home and he started to get a lot of MVP chance at home. And I remember it might have been you who asked him afterwards, what's that like? And he said it was like feeling like out of a video game, but mm-hmm. he was incredible this year. And Another, I guess, overall highlight is just how he went toe-to-toe with about every player in the NBA, it felt like, in certain games, like LeBron's record-breaking night, Shea was the best player on the floor, to me at least, Mm -hmm. and just every single night, it felt like you had a puncher's chance because you had Shea Gilgis Alexander on your team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think we covered it, I mean, you you can find highlights from every single game he played in this year, I mean, he was just so consistent, and... You know, it is surprising that he hasn't had a 50-point game. And I know I'm saying that like, oh, man, can't believe he hasn't had a 50-point game. But he scored like 42 or 44, three different times. But he's just – he rarely has a clunker where he scores like 16 points on, you know, three of 18 shooting or whatever and gets to the line a lot still. Like, he he just doesn't do that. He just so consistently – in that 30-ish area, right right where he averaged. But, um, you know, it might get harder given the Thunder is going to get better and have more options moving forward. But Shea is going to get better also. So maybe, maybe a 50-point game is on the horizon. It's going to be hard, though, not taking threes. Three is more than two. So you increase your chances to have a 50-point game if you uh, get behind the arc every now and then.
1: That's big if true. I'm not a math major. You're not a math major, but we'll we'll have somebody in the accounting side here in house. uh, Get back on that and see if we can confirm if three is more than two. But yeah, Shay was awesome this year. I'm actually trying to look it up here. What's the most threes he made in a game? I'm looking at it. It doesn't look like more than three so far, just as I'm quickly scrolling. But yeah, whenever you get to 50 points, it's usually getting to the free throw line. Check. He does that and then getting hot from three, making five or six of those. So maybe that's something that we see coming into the next season. But his evolution as a guy in the mid range was just unbelievable to me. He was a guy who could make some of those uh, in-between shots, as we saw on those Chris Paul teams. and Then later on but just his overall efficiency and just the shot making and how tough it looks on those has been incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, he, he really did score from, from pretty much every, every le- level. So percentage of field goal attempts by distance, obviously we know he gets into the paint a ton. 28% of all of his shots um, were from zero to three feet. were from three to 10 feet. So um, that's still near the rim, but getting into the mid range, um, 25% of his shots from 10 to 16 feet. So that's definitely the mid range and just 7% of his um, shots from 16 to to three point range, basically. So um, interesting distribution there. And he, he, he was just so effective. I mean, 68% at the rim. 44% from three to 10 feet. And this is the big one. And it gets to what you're mentioning with the mid range Um, from 10 to 16 feet. He shot 51%, which is seven percentage points higher than he shot from three to 10 feet.
1: Just crazy stuff. And I just looked it up to confirm the most threes he made this season were three and he did that twice. Wow.
0: What was the most he attempted? Do we know that?
1: I'll check that here for us. I just saw just in December alone, or what month was this? Uh, Just in March alone, Josh had a month where he made four threes. So I think that says a lot about just the willingness. But I mean, Shay, his stuff.
0: The most he attempted was six, and he did it twice. He went two of six. 10-19-22 at Minnesota. That's got to be the season opener, right?
1: Uh, Um. Yes. It I,
0: my 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 brain is all over the place, and then he also had six November twenty eighth at the Pelicans. Um, so yeah, just two games in which he shot at least six threes, that's and really just year. just seven games where he attempted five or more.
1: Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, that's a first half for Steph Curry, but that leads us into the last part of his grades. Well, actually, let's get a grade first. Um, what was your grade for Shea's season this year? Are you a are you a tough grader, Joe? Are you one of those teachers who takes pride in no one passing their class?
0: Well, you know, I lean that way more so than an easy grader, but today I think I'm gonna come across as an easy grader, but it's just going to be guys that are very deserving of their grades. I'm gonna give Shea an A plus. If we're if we're judging based on preseason expectations or even if we did have, like, you can't have an expectation other than he's going to be the MVP. But even if the expectation was first team all in BA, which no one's expectation was, he still met that. So he he exceeded any reasonable expectations, far so exceeded, um, got better on the offensive end, and got about 10 times better on the defensive end. I, you know, I, I have to go with an A plus here.
1: I'd have to go with an a plus as well. He was awesome this year. Let's see how he can evolve next year. Uh, there's still room for improvement, which is the crazy part, because Mark and Sam and Shay himself have said, you know, I'm just scratching the surface. I can still get better at a lot of things. Um, he doesn't even turn 25 until a few months or something like that. Uh, but what would you say are the expectations for next season, or what would he have to do or accomplish next year to, Get another A plus or anything like that because uh, he can't go higher than what he got this year.
0: Yeah, he um he doesn't turn twenty five until July twelfth, but it it's going to be very hard for him. <laughs> Not that he's striving to um get the same grade um by us next year, but it's it's hard for me to imagine what he could do to get another A plus next year because expectations are going to be whether fair or not to at least do what he did this year. Um, But, you know, saying he's going to, I probably would say he's, he's not going to be first team all NBA, not because I don't think he's going to be just chances are that you're not going to be only five guys can be. Um, I think it all comes down to the three point shooting. I mean, I mean, there's just so few holes in his game, but that one is an obvious hole. And, You know, he said something interesting. This might have been in his exit interview. He said he didn't like how he shot the ball from three last year. And for good reason, he shot 30% from three point range, but he attempted. So so just remember what we talked about. He had seven games in which he attempted five or more threes this year. Last year, he attempted 5.3 threes per game. So like... What was an outlier this year was his average last year, just attempting at least five threes a game. We remember all the difficult ones from early in the year, the step backs, the sidesteps, all of that stuff, and he just just couldn't get it going. But he said he came back this year, realized that was an inefficient shot, and just took it out of his shot diet. And that's reflected in the numbers. His three-point attempts per game um, decrease by you know, in half basically from 5.3 per game to 2.5 per game. But he did shoot 35%, 34.5% just below league average. But you know, not not terrible, an improvement from where he was last year. But eventually, you know, he if he can add that to his game, I just don't know how you defend him because right now everyone knows where he's trying to get. That's to the rim. And he has such a variety of ways to get there. Um, and, you know, like you, you'll watch the, he, he's not going to be Steph Curry, but you hear announcers announcer say, oh my gosh, he he can't go under that screen. You know, he, he can't do that. Well, guys can do that against Shea because they don't want to get trapped up top and he's just going to not blow by them, but like sli- slither by them and snake his way to the rim. Um but like, if he makes teams actually respect his three point shot, even if it doesn't go in, even if he's at least taking them, that that's just going to create a whole nother dynamic for him. So um, that's really what I'm looking for. Like, I don't just because he didn't shoot the ball well last year. I get what he's saying. Like, hey, if I'm going to be this efficient, you know, taking easier shots, then why would I even? Why do I need to shoot threes? And I understand that on some level. But we're talking about the elite of the elite, what can they do to take even one more step? And and that's what it would be.
1: It's the um it's the three-point shot. Exactly. And this is what it takes to get another A plus after the expectations go up from this season. I would say something like an A plus, if he could get to around 50, 40, 90, I know the three is going to be the toughest thing. That'd be an A plus. And if he could get the Thunder in a position where they're out of the play in maybe at the six seed and he makes one of the first two all NBA teams that'd be an A plus for me but the three ball is going to be the biggest thing like you said if he can make threes off the dribble off uh you know off the catch I think he's been fine he's just not going to be in a lot of those spots but he becomes unguardable and then if you put a guy who sets that screen for him who can also pop out from three or roll it's just like I don't know what you do with him but the 3 it's not like you have to concede like if he starts taking more threes that means he has to get away from the mid range entirely or he can't drive as much if anything i think that opens up things more for him if you have to guard him on all three levels yeah
0: and it just opens up more things for the offense and and i'm with you like just envisioning him In a pick and roll with chet or like a pick and pop situation like him and horford really had going in the first half of the season two years ago or with muscala last year you know that that's kind of a pick your poison type scenario that you're putting the defense in and yeah it's not like i want it's not like i'm looking for shea to you know just hunt threes for the sake of hunting them it's when you're open or when they're playing off of you make them pay for that um or if you do catch in rhythm. Um, like you said, he doesn't get a lot of catch and shoot threes because, um, you know, the the balls in his hands. Um, but shooting those with confidence rather than like taking a moment to pause and assess the situation, just just get that shot up. It's a good shot. He's a good shooter. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about how free throw percentage is a good indicator of three point percentage. Like we, we saw Shea shoot 41 percent from three two years ago. Small sample totally different role, but like his free throw percentage increased from like 80% to 90%. So, you know, you know, I, I think he could 50, 40, 90 is obviously a tough, tough ask, but he's done all three of those in different seasons. Like two years ago, he was 50, 40, like 81. I think, um, this year he's really not too far off 51, 35, 91. Um, even if he stays at 35%, but instead of taking 168 threes, take 268 threes. Like, I, I really think he could have that drastic of a leap.
1: Yeah, and we're not asking for him just take threes for the sake of threes, or it's like, Steph has taken 11, we need you to do that. That's not what we're saying. It's more about just kind of loosening the constrictions, because I feel like, like you mentioned, he wants to get a good shot. And it feels like it's an either or thing because it's like he went from taking all these tough step back threes to like, I'm not taking threes unless I'm open. And there's definitely a middle ground there of your percentages are going to be fine and you're going to uh, shoot well if you just keep shooting these threes, if you shoot a little bit more and you just don't have the step back three as your main shot from deep uh, weapon, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's a give and take because. You know, As he adds more threes to a shot diet, you would expect his free throw attempts per game to go down a a little bit just because you're not going to get fouled on on that shot nearly as often. Um, But if you're playing the efficiency game that threes more than two, maybe that balances out. Um, But hey, there's a good thing that there's one flaw in his game, perhaps, because if it wasn't for this, I, I don't know what we would be talking about. Um, right now, with with Shea, two and a half, three-point attempts per game, by the way. That tied for 10th on the Thunder with Kenrich Williams and Usman Jang. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Jalen, both Jalen Williams. And, uh, where's Jalen?
1: I think they both should be dub. Uh, just
0: and... J-dub. Oh, really? I, I would have actually thought J-will. J-will is 2.3, just behind Shea. Um, but Poku, Giddy, Mascala, Man, Waters, Joe, Dort, all of those guys took more threes per game.
1: Yeah, and then even if you're taking more of those threes, if it takes less drives, it's give and take, like you mentioned. But also, he's not driving, and that's just a few less possessions where he can, he's gonna get put on his back on the floor. As we've seen a lot of those drives, he takes a lot of contact. So mm-hmm. you don't want him settling, but if the shot's there, go ahead and take it. But we can talk it about Could Shea also speed day. up
0: the offense. Yeah. And, and the Thunder wants to play fast. So um you, you know that 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 could help in, in some regards.
1: Well from a guy who doesn't shoot enough threes to a guy who shoots a lot of threes, your namesake Isaiah Joe, what do you want to how do you want to start this off talking about Isaiah Joe? I just want to start it off with my grade. Go ahead if you want. I mean, I don't... How many preseason expectations could we even have? He didn't... Did he even play preseason? He was, like, signed right whenever it was starting or ending, right?
0: There might be be one other player that people could guess that I'm going to give an A plus to. To make three total. We just talked about one. I think Isaiah Joe is the other. Because... His preseason expectations, I don't even know if we had time to make preseason expectations because um, he was waived by the Sixers in training camp, signed by the Thunder. Um, later, Late arrival, doesn't know what's going on naturally, so he, he's not really playing in those first few games. Then we see him in sort of spot minutes, and by the end of the year, he's he's basically their sixth man, and he's in the starting lineup when you know, when other guards are out and, um, man, we know about the three point shooting. That's why his grade is what it is, but he just showed me effort and fight on the defensive end that helps overcome his physical limitations. He's a pretty skinny guy that you think is going to get pushed around. Shooters always have the reputation that they can't defend anybody. Um, but you know, we we saw the charges he was taking and everything like that. It's a uh, it's a true Arkansas thing, um, and, and then the hustle stats. He'll dive on the floor like he he hung in there defensively better than I thought he would. So I was a uh, I was impressed with Isaiah Joe. A plus A plus for me. We're two for two right now on A pluses.
1: A plus with a star. Yeah, I I'd, I'd give him an A to an A plus. I'll go with an A plus two. He was awesome this year i think that the only expectations we could have preseason is like well he's another guy in the lindy spot who it's just like you can see if he's hot see what happens but he became a staple for this team over the course of the season and i think that he's a guy who the thunder probably want to keep around longer term because he's matches the age timeline and he was incredible this year really spacing the floor which the thunder desperately needed i mean They launched up from the worst three-point shooting team in the league last year, or second to worst, to now like um, middle of the pack team, which doesn't probably sound as good as it is, but it is a huge difference for this uh, offense and just spacing the floor. And then like you mentioned, his defense, most shooters you think about and his frame, you would just automatically peg him as a guy. It's like, well, he's going to get played off the floor. He's a guy who's low effort, who's going to get attacked, but. He's physical out there and really attacks guys and he's not someone who opposing offenses are going it's like let me hunt Isaiah Joe where is he on the floor let's play him off the floor. He not only survives but I think he's an average to above average defender for his position and I guess just some of his physical limitations if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um just a just an outstanding season and you know, just going back to what we knew about him before the year, we knew he was a shooter. We knew he played for the Sixers. We knew he couldn't get on the floor because the Sixers have a deep roster and Doc Rivers and a lot of coaches who have been around a while don't like playing young players. Um, so it's it's like, hey, give him an opportunity, see what's there. But I think we kind of play revisionist history from him, like, oh, my gosh, like, are the Sixers stupid? How, how could they have done this? Well, there was no there was no market for Isaiah Joe. Like the Thunder wasn't really competing um that I know of with anybody. And I'm only saying that because look at his contract. He made 1.8 million this year, he's due two million next year, and he has a team option for 2.2 million in 2024, 2025. And his contract next season is non guaranteed. So if there was a market for him and if everyone was licking their chops once Isaiah Joe went on um became a free agent, he would have gotten a better contract than that with like more than one guaranteed season. So um it, it kind of tells you where everyone was on him and he just he just had a breakout that you can't see coming.
1: Just a heck of a bargain. And yeah, like you mentioned, I think there were some stands out there. There were some people who were very excited about Isaiah Joe and thought he needed more minutes on the Sixers, but they're a team who is trying to compete and they don't have a lot of time to develop a lot of guys. So it was better for them to kind of move on. It is a kind of a weird part of the season for them to cut Isaiah Joe like right around preseason. The Thunder picked him up. It's I don't think he was a guy who was cut and then just sat all summer. I think he was like a late guy. But yeah, he's he was really good for this team. He was a perfect fit in a lot of those lineups where they just needed shooting. And another thing that stood out to me, Joe, is just that he's not just a shooter. He's not just a guy you have to just plant in the corner or a guy who can't handle the ball. He can play off movement. He can get in some pick and rolls. We saw him dunk on some guys, which was surprising every single time he got uh, to the mid range. He had a uh, floater. I think that there's still a lot of growth for him. That doesn't mean that he's going to be some all star, but I think he can be a high level role player even higher than he is right now.
0: Yeah, it's not like his his shot diet was exclusively threes. Now it was the the vast majority were were threes. So, um, looking up here, kind of like I I said with Shea, percent of field goals by distance, seventy eight percent of his shots were from three. Um, but but he was a really efficient scorer. We, you mentioned the dunks. He had he had eight dunks in two years before this. He had. Four dunks total. Um, obviously, more opportunity this year, but then three, uh, zero to three feet, he shot 71%. That's like, that's a great mark at the rim. Um, and, and like, you know, really unexpected. So, um, and this mid range, his mid range shot as well, 10 to 16 feet, he shot 57%. Um, some of these are outlier statistics. Like, you know, that that accounted for um, just five percent of his shots. But still, to to shoot that well for mid range, she's just a pure shooter. Doesn't matter where he is on the floor. Obviously, you want him to to park his feet behind the three point line more often than not. But there is more juice to his game. He can he can put it on the floor a little bit. He can a- attack a closeout. Um, you know, if a guys are going to close out to him. So hard, totally sell out to stop the three. um and he has the ability instead of just passing out of that to put the ball on the floor and get past somebody. So, um, I'm a big, big Isaiah Joe fan. Um, now, the only this is not a knock. This is just an observation. three point shooting is so volatile, and it can really come and go. and I, I mean, Duncan Robinson is a great example of this, and I think there's more to Isaiah Joe's game, especially on the defensive end. But Robinson was like one of the coolest stories. He gets this big contract, and he's only playing now because Tyler Hero's hurt, and they've dealt with a ton of other injuries. And it's like that we were thinking about that as one of the worst contracts in the league. Davis Bertans as well is one of those contracts, a guy that was just a sniper, and then his his shot um, came and went. I, I mean, Isaiah Joe's not going to be an NBA player if he shoots 35% from three from here on out, but there is enough wiggle room in his game that like he, he can do other things that will still
1: keep him on the floor and help him sustain slumps uh, when they do come. And he mentioned that in exit interviews when I talked to him and he said, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. I got to keep the three ball going, but I am going to try to expand my game. Um, but let's talk about some of the highlights from the season the number one (laughs) with a bullet for me is whenever he made the comeback against the Mavericks I still have this tweet from Tim McMahon who said the NBA teams were 9,975 and one when leading by 16 plus points in the final fourth four minutes of the fourth quarter over the last 25 years they are now 9,975 and two after the Mavericks lost to the thunder to see the Isaiah Joe comeback where he had like 16 in the fourth off the bench.
0: Yeah, I uh I remember writing after that game like this is this is the Isaiah Joe game. This is how we're going to remember it. And it, it certainly is. Like that the comeback was just insane and you know, if, if you remember back to that the, the thunder was basically giving up. It's like, "Hey, throw throw your bench guys in there and you know, this is, you're going to shock this up to a loss. Well, Isaiah Joe just rains three pointers, thunderstorms back. Um That was his breakout performance. There was also that game in Phoenix uh, where he just went off for 20, maybe 21 points, 20. It was in the twenties, I think in the first half alone. Um, And that's when I caught up with JJ Redick at halftime because ESPN was calling the game. It's like, Ah, uh, JJ, what do you think of this Isaiah Joe game? He's, he's pretty good. Um, so, so those two stand out, but it's really, it's really that Dallas game. I, I mean, it wasn't just a remarkable individual performance, um, but it, but it led to a Thunder win.
1: Yeah, in that one, Isaiah Joe, fifteen points in ten minutes, four of four from the field, three of three from three, game time bucket in the fourth, and he made two three pointers in overtime. <laughs> Just just crazy stuff. Shea had 33 of his own. It was one of those uh, games where the Thunder finally got to 500 for a little bit, but he was awesome this year, and I'm looking forward to see how he evolves his game and changes in the future, especially when you have those lineups with him and Chet out there to add some extra spacing to the lineups. I think it's going to be really intriguing. Are there any lowlights? Uh, I think you touched on a little bit just that he went cold kind of at the wrong time to end the season, but Outside of that, I don't have too much to complain about. I don't think he kind of, he didn't really force any shots that were bad. He didn't have any big lapses on defense. I think it was just kind of the wrong time, but slumps or shooting slumps are something that are just kind of inevitable.
0: Yeah. um, The only low lights was, was getting, you know, the cold stretch to end the year um, in those, in those two playing games. The good news for him Playing statistics are so dang hard to find that no one's uh no one's gonna hold it against them. They don't count for anything. It's like this this limbo area. But oh, I I just found them though. So um, yeah, he shot. I don't need per game. I want totals here. It was only two games. I don't need per game samples. Um, yeah, not a lot. I mean, this the samples tiny, but four of fourteen overall in the Thunder's two play in games two of eight from three. And um you know, he's he's the kind of guy that they they won the first one, so who cares? But he, he's the kind of guy that could that I pointed to that in a one game situation could swing a game. Like someone can get hot. That that's why this team wins tonight. Isaiah Joe didn't get hot. Heck, even if he got hot in Minnesota, um the Thunder probably would have lost anyway because they just didn't play well. Um, but but that that's like the only knock.
1: Yeah, he um, he can be one of those X factor game changers. He didn't do that in the last two play in games, but hopefully um, another great season for him. We talked about it earlier that I think that a lot of the three point responsibility falls on him. So maybe we'll see some development from some other guys or somebody else brought under the roster, not just Chet, who can take some of that weight off of him. So it's not just if Isaiah Joe's not hot from three, there goes about 12 points for us or something like that. But um, what would you like to see him improve on over the summer or what would it take for him to get another A-plus next season?
0: Well, I think the thing about him is just establishing this as, I mean, it can't be the baseline. It was it was too good of a shooting season, and maybe he'll prove me wrong, but who knows. But um, just the consistency with his three-point shot, like if he can keep this up, he's going to be playing for a very, very long time as far as improvements he can make um i would just say you know he he's not that old he's only he's yet to turn 24 he turns 24 this summer in july um getting a little stronger um uh, maybe i'd be so scared to like change anything with that shot maybe you don't want him to to put on too much strength but like on the defensive end he he's he's a really skinny guy um so maybe just Kind of work on his body a little bit without uh, changing that feathery touch. Um, Continue to work on the defensive end because that's the thing that Mark is always going to point to. And that's the thing that's going to keep him on the floor. Um, So, yeah, just just those two things.
1: Yeah, it's a defense body and then a little bit more on his handle because I think he has a decent um, handle on the ball. But if he can get out there and dribble and get around guys a little bit easier. We saw the step back. That's something we'd even talk about that was pretty dynamic from this year. And hopefully he can continue um, improving on that. But one just kind of like small thing, and maybe you can take this as a joke or not, but I felt like he missed every single free throw off a technical this year.
0: It was unbelievable. It was, and it wasn't just him, although it was primarily him. Um, I think about, 85% Eighty-five percent of Shea's free throw misses were were on technicals as well. Um, you know what? Let's throw that in as is something he needs to improve on because last year with the Sixers, he only played in fifty-five. Uh, I, I mean, he he played in fifty-five games, which is not insignificant—eleven minutes per game—but he shot ninety-four percent from the free throw line. Uh, He shot 82%, which is a very good number for the Thunder, but he's probably better than an 82% free throw shooter. By the way, the 94%, 29 of 31, so I'm not going to put too much stock into that. Um, How many did
1: he take this year?
0: An even 100. He made 82 of 100 free throws.
1: Nice and clean, but yeah, he's still got room to grow and stuff to improve on. Um, like he shot 41% from three this year. I think that's good enough next year. It's just more about, we can't have the highs and lows where it's like one month you shoot 47 and then two months of like 35 or 34, anything like that. But do you have anything else to say on Isaiah Joe before we get to our last player of the pod for today on uh, player grades?
0: No, let's, uh, let's move
1: on along. This guy, unfortunately, spoiler, will not get an A plus Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a very up-and-down season. He started off decently, and then just after that ankle injury, Joe, which was like the longest ankle injury that I've seen, um, just came back and just couldn't really get into rhythm. He had a few games where he kind of looked like himself, but what did you think of JRE this season?
0: Yeah, this grade is tough because I think it's so... The injury was such a factor. I mean, he was out for two months with an ankle sprain. Um, Said so he had never had anything like that. And then he comes back and, you know, he had a good game. It was on that trip where they played at LA at Portland. He had a couple of good games there. But for the most part, I thought just looked completely out of sync and kind of like he lost touch and rhythm um, after he came back from that ankle injury. So he was pretty bad. Um based on expectations for him coming into the season i'll probably i mean c is average so i think it's got to be lower than that i know d sounds harsh i'm probably going to go d plus um a couple of things that that you know are improvements he he shot better overall from the field this year than last year 44% um from 41% but you saw the three point percentage go down, um, and also the attempts go down last year. Albeit in four more minutes per game, he attempted three point four threes this year, two point six last year. Shot thirty five percent. Kind of looked like okay, maybe this guy you know can be that pick and pop sort of guy, kind of like Jay will um, became for this team this year. Um, even if defenses aren't respecting it yet this season, down to thirty three percent. Um. But yeah, you just look like the knock on him is the defensive end. He he's just he's just undersized. I mean, he's listed at 6'9" 230. Um he's a strong guy, but there're just certain matchups where he you know, against bigger guys, he's not he's not going to be big enough or physical enough to hang in there against them. Um and then against smaller opponents, I'm not quite sure he has the athleticism to to stick with you know kind of smaller ball fives or or to guard a four even, um, and he's not a rim protector by any sense. Um, so I, I struggle to see where he's going to fit in defensively.
1: Yeah, I had him at a D, and he's he's a classic tweener. It he's just right he's in between tweener. four and five, and he's a guy like you mentioned. He can switch decently out on the perimeter, but he's not someone who's like elite with his foot speed is a big he's not a shot blocker and then i think that Jay will just kind of market corrected him in a lot of ways because he just does a lot of the things that uh jerry can't do like some of the playmaking things on the offensive end he's not a rim protector either but he gets better contests he takes those charges i think he moves better on the perimeter maybe you see something differently between Jay will and jerry and then the added playmaking on offense i think really changed things
0: yeah so we've talked about this a ton so not to belabor the point but Jay will is not a good rim protector in the traditional sense but he's found a way to overcome that by taking um all of those charges leading the nba in that category um jerry just you know no one has that in their game so no offense to him but jerry doesn't have that but he also isn't a, a shot blocker rim protector in the traditional sense and then on the other side of the floor I think you nailed it. If all things are even, um still the biggest difference offensively is their playmaking ability and Jay will just has he's got a really good sense of just how to play offensively and how the Thunder wants to play is a really good passer, um an underrated passer and I think uh, that's one of the things the Thunder liked about him um quite a bit just his ability to operate from that high post area. Um you know, JRE can make the right play. But it's more so like the predictable right play where Jay will is more. There's more of just kind of a flair to him or more like improvisational, more artistic with, with how he plays. And it just look like it fits in more with with what the Thunder wants to do as far as guys that can be able to make quick decisions um, in different situations.
1: We'll get a larger sample size. I don't think the shooting is like a huge gap between the guys, but. Yeah, he's a much better ball handler. Um, He, like you mentioned, he's a much better passer. And just his processing speed of just, like, seeing it and then making the play happen I think is the biggest gap just in terms of playmaking between those two guys. But Jay Will, as we'll talk about him later, this is more about Jerry, he reminds me of some of those old Spurs bigs who they always had as guys who could pass. But back to Jeremiah, it felt like just a tale of two seasons in between. Like, you can just separate it, injury, pre-injury. Because before the injury, I thought he was pretty solid for the year, if you can recall any of those moments.
0: Yeah. Um, I I remember going back to the preseason thinking that, you know, he was probably going to be that, that full-time starter. Like, we had four starters, like, even before Chet's injury, had four starters figured out. The fifth one I, I thought was going to be JRE, and he still started 20 games, but, but last year, he started 36 of his 49 games. This year, 20 of his 43. Um, and like I said, the minutes went down. And you know, when you're comparing two players, if you're trying to figure out who's better right now, J. Will or, or JRE, it's not very hard. Just look at who the Thunder is playing, um, who Mark Dignalt is is calling upon. And clearly, J. Will... Um, and it might have been due to that injury and and maybe something else is going on. We don't even know. But by the end of the year, J-Will is clearly ahead of of J-Will. Uh, J, 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 J-R-E oh, man. on the
1: second one. No, J, I got
0: J, J, J-R-E. J-Will and Jay J-Will's ahead. Um, heck, maybe that changes next year. Maybe uh, Robinson Earl has a great summer. Comes back, maybe we look at Jay will as more of a flash in the pan type guy who who knows These things can change um but right now, like his his spot on this team is tenuous at best, i I think, just as they add more young pieces and you know, he was a second round pick himself, but then they just drafted another second rounder who's already playing ahead of him.
1: Well, you just think of the bigs in that room you have chet kenner is going to play the five next year that was one of the most effective lineups that's going to happen and then you have the guys like yeah poku jr j will JRE. i think that jang is going to take up some of those big minutes so it's just like some of it is how much opportunity will he get next year but overall this is a bad sophomore season from him that doesn't mean that it's like it's over for him he's not going to be an nba player there's still a lot of time for him to improve it was definitely disappointing i think some of it like i had expectations that were just way too high i thought he was going to be a guy who started every game he played this year just because we talked about his fit with chet um it seemed like everybody that was the ideal fit over the summer as like a bigger guy who can support him but now it looks like that's less in the cards but yeah i think that most of the improvement you need to see from him is he if he can just knock down threes and move a little bit better on defense he's a strong guy so he can hold up enough and if you have a weak side guy like chet to block shots i think that helps him but it really a lot of it comes down to how effective is he from three because you can put up with a lot of things on defense if you're a big who can stretch other shot blockers to the perimeter shooting forty percent from three.
0: Yeah, and you know, him and him and Jay Will are, are pretty similar prospects. Um obviously drafted and in, in, in similar spots as well. Both are, you know, smart, gritty type guys that that don't have a ton of natural athleticism. I think J-Will has more, though, than, than JRE does. And that just makes the margin for error pretty small. And it also just limits your, your ceiling. Like, Jeremiah has the ability to be like... I, I think he has a baseline ability to play in the NBA. But there's not much you could look to other than just being better defensively and making threes. That would like make him a better NBA player. Like there's not this like untapped potential, I don't think, with him.
1: Yeah, there's not a big growth plate for him. There are guys like Poku where it's like, man, you can really see if he improves on this, this, and this, he can grow on this, he's gonna be a lot better, or Josh or J Dub. Yeah. He's Jared, just gonna be
0: a yeah. polished version of what he already is.
1: Which is a solid player. I mean, if he can end up being A lesser version of pj tucker that's awesome but that's that's definitely on the the high end of things but Mm -hmm. yeah definitely an underwhelming season from him hopefully things will change in the future joe i would give you an a plus on your your grades for today and your evaluation of these guys how would you grade yourself
0: well i suppose i have to give you an a plus because i think we were in lockstep um hopefully we uh maybe there's going to be a disagreement and we can have a real real sparring match between each other on, on these guys as we go down through the roster. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Um, the, you know, grades are a good way to sort of recap guys individually as we've already recapped the team as a whole. Um, our dear friend, Barry Trammell, uh, every day in scissor tails is going one by one grading player. So, um, if you want a, uh, if you want the written form more so than the audio form and different perspective, um, that will be an option. And Michael, I know you, you plan to have Barry on for a few of these, but this will be fun.
1: It should be. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Always fun grading these guys. And I wanted to switch it up just how we grade compared to Barry. I didn't want to be a one-to-one. So you're going to definitely get a different perspective, not just from Barry on how he looks at the players, but he has a whole different grading system over there. But Joe, thanks for coming on with me. Do you have anything to plug of, What's going on with you currently?
0: Yeah, um, no no big uh, update from what we talked about last time. I'll have a Lou Dort story coming out in a couple of days. um, Mentioned that. Um, Had stories, obviously, from earlier this week when uh, the Thunder's collecting a a whole lot of silver medals in the individual awards. and um, I'm not exactly sure when the All-NBA teams are coming out, but... We'll talk about that and everything, but just uh, just catching my breath a little bit, Michael.
1: Awesome, and we'll definitely be back to talk more Thunder Basketball and get the rest of these grades. We're going to have Barry on, some other guests, and just kind of get some different perspectives on this season. But thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are the Thunder Buddies at ThunderBudPod on Twitter, and we'll be back again for more Thunder Basketball Talk on Tuesday.